0: here we go the official show on the fish stripes podcast channel i'm eli sussman the managing editor of fish stripes where we cover the miami marlins every single day in our own way the show presented by symbol the stock market for sports this will be the third to last full length episode that we do between now and the MLB trade deadline. Um, be sure to follow all of our Marlins coverage on fishstripes.com. Follow Fishstripes on Twitter, on Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube. We got Facebook. Follow along with everything we do, um, all our live streams. Rate and review the podcast wherever you get that. And make sure you participate in our Fish Picks Prop Bets contest. We've been doing that. All year, except for, I think, one weekend, holiday weekend that I took off, we do free prop bets for every single Marlins game to keep things interesting, even as the team is 14 games below 500 and trending in the wrong direction, we we keep it fun, we keep it creative, it takes just a few seconds of your day, and you compete for real prizes every single month. You can play along in picks. just find the link directly on our site, I tweet it out every single day. Uh, We hope for you guys to participate in that contest uh, the rest of the season, as long as you follow along with all things Marlins. Uh, We are coming off a seven-game road trip. They packed it into only six days against the Phillies and the Nationals, going two and five in that stretch. Run differential finally dipped below zero for the first time in a very long time. Uh, What I'm going to cover on this episode, a few key takeaways from that seven-game road trip. Um, mainly focusing on several individual players of interest. And then we go deep into Brian Anderson, one of your favorite Marlins players entering the season. Maybe you've kept the faith and still consider him one of your favorite players. Simply put, one of the most talented players that the Marlins have, and he is about to return from the injured list after a two-month absence. We're going to get into all the ramifications of having him back, what I'm going to be looking for from him, what his performance down the stretch could mean for his future in Miami. Uh, Going to the road trip takeaways against, again, the Phillies and the Nationals, uh, the one that jumps out to me is, unfortunately, one of my favorites, Anthony Bender, where you can now stretch this back, his last 12 appearances, almost exactly one calendar month, in his last 12 games pitched, Bender has allowed a hit in at at least one hit in 10 of those 12 appearances, dating back to uh, a month ago, dating back to, not coincidentally, the start of the sticky substances checks in Major League Baseball. I tried to warn you guys, I did, Um, wasn't accusing him of anything, any wrongdoing, just the reality that Bender was a guy that really relied on his spin rate and on the movement on his pitches. We've seen that drop off over the last month, and we've seen his performance drop off along with it. He had that one sparkling outing against the Braves, you remember that one, six up, six down, six strikeouts, that came in the middle of the stretch, but in all but one of those other last 12 appearances, he's been allowing hits. For someone that throws as hard as he does, the velo is still there, in fact, I believe he threw his hardest pitch of the entire season uh, against the Nationals just a few days ago, the velo is still there, but that means that when hitters can get the barrel on it, it just goes even farther than usual. So he's already allowed a couple home runs during that stretch. His ERA has gone up from zero uh, all the way into deep into the twos at this moment. His overall numbers are still great. Uh, The fact that they found him where they found him, and they have so much control over him moving forward, that is obviously a positive. I still hope for the best from him. it's just a big question mark of where he adjusts from here. He needs to adjust. Even with what the numbers look like, this is a pretty extended stretch where he has been mediocre. I made that bold prediction entering the year that Anthony Bender would lead the Marlins in saves. He got that one opportunity. And kind of since then, he just has not been good enough to hold it down. There's really no question at this point that as long as Yimi Garcia is on the team, we'll have to see whether or not they find a new home for him at the trade deadline, that uh, Benter is not going to be the, the Marlins' closer right now. He is not pitching well enough at, at the moment. We had those warning signs, and uh, it's not the worst-case scenario. Uh, I don't think you could point to any single one outing where he's truly been terrible. Um, in all these cases, he's been able to at least record outs at some point. It's just it's concerning that this is uh, continued on uh, for that long, because if you want to put this guy in the same conversation as Nick Anderson, people wanted to make that comparison with him as potentially that future closer. um, There's no reason to believe right now that he is that guy, because there has been that change since the current rules went to effect. And those rules are going to be here for the foreseeable future. I'm interested to see where Bender adjusts down the stretch. In the meantime, because of the timing of the struggles, uh, we talked about him as an under-the-radar trade candidate. Virtually any reliever on this team is a trade candidate when your team is out of contention, regardless of how many years of control you have left, regardless of how affordable you are. Everybody is on the table, for sure. Um, I think due to these struggles, it's I don't know how other teams are going to value him at the moment. Uh, and I think it's even more likely than ever that he's going to stay with the Marlins Past July 30th, uh, he's going to be a very key player to watch down the stretch to see how close he can come to recapturing that form he had at the very beginning of his rookie season. Sticking with the reliever, Anthony Bass. I think this may have gone past people unless you were following uh, me on Twitter during the game that he did it. Anthony Bass threw a splitter. This was supposed to be a big priority for form him entering this season. That he threw plenty of splitters uh, last year with the Blue Jays had some success with it. And I believe his plan was to ramp up the usage even a little bit more here in 2021. Um, he got burned by a splitter at the very start of the regular season. He allowed a home run in the first game, first save situation he had as Marlon. And then he went cold turkey. He did not throw any splitters the rest of April in all of May and all of June until the very final outing prior to the All-Star break. So when you see that pop up for the first time in a few months, you wonder if it's simply just a blip. In the system, and we defer to StatCast uh, as given to the public on Baseball Savant, uh, you could see those are where we get the pitch types from, and the fact that it popped up so unexpectedly after such a long absence, you wonder if it was simply a mistake on the programming part. But then he did it again. He threw one splitter uh, against the Phillies, specifically against Travis Jankowski. He got a swing and miss. It was not a particularly good-looking or well-located one, but this is progress because i believe this has kind of gone under the radar is how much bass has struggled against left-handed hitters this season you look at his year overall and especially his performance in like high pressure situations it's been disappointing you could just say that with a blanket statement that he has been bad specifically he's been bad against lefties he's been fine against most righties overall but there have been a huge platoon split for him which has been uncharacteristic of his recent career throwing splitters and throwing them effectively that's just a common way to neutralize um opposite-handed hitters by throwing that pitch the usage is still very far down because not for the season overall our total is four total splitters that he's thrown in coming up on four total months that usage would have to come up significantly for us to really feel anything about it he's one of the relievers um that you would imagine is completely safe at this trade deadline just because he is not pitched well enough to really draw interest, he does have another fully guaranteed year of his contract coming up next year, and then an option for 2023. The Marlins need to make the most of it, and if that means reincorporating this pitch, um, that's going to be a very big difference maker. Again, so that's one thing to watch moving forward is his performance against left-handed batters. Uh, On the position player side, I am so confused as to who broke John Birdie. It wasn't that long ago where I was going about, going deep about how underappreciated he was, how people were freaking out due to his early season slump, and almost immediately after that, he flipped the switch. He was one of their most valuable players in June. He was, very recently, a consistent hitting machine, on-base machine, playing multiple defensive spots. Like It was not that long ago that he was a key piece of this team to help them have a semi-respectable offense. Uh, In the absence, of course, of Brian Anderson as the main third baseman. But a hat tip to GZ in the house on Twitter, who pointed out to me, well, I brought it up that Birdie has struggled so much here in July. Um, He's just five hits in the entire month of July so far. Uh, A Batting average in the low 100s, a strikeout rate in the high 30s percent. Um, When Birdie has struggled in the past, that it's never really been a huge strikeout issue. There have been times where he's, you know, striking out slightly more than the average hitter. But for the most part, what holds him back is just when he doesn't elevate the ball, when he hits it on the ground too much, when he's trying to beat out everything for a hit, and he's more often than not, he's going to get thrown out there. Uh, this slump has been a combination of, of several different factors. And, I mean, the biggest one is that he's striking out too much. He's chasing outside the zone. There have been times where he has had elite plate discipline, especially during the 2020 season where you look it up and he just so seldom even swings at pitches outside the strike zone. For whatever reason, he's doing that a lot over the last few weeks. When he does make contact, it's been super soft. His average exit velocity is under 80 miles per hour so far in June. Um, As we're going to get into in a moment, hard hit is considered 95 miles per hour or over. Uh, League average is close to 90. It's in the high 80s. And for this month, averaging less than 80 miles per hour on his batted balls, it's brought down his season numbers. Um, I mean, his OPS for the season now is in the 620s, not even close to being league average. Such a big departure from where he was last month and certainly from where he was in 2019 and in 2020. I have to bring him up because, like so many other players on this roster, he is would, on paper, you'd consider him a trade candidate because he's so versatile. he does have that really plus skill as a base runner and usually can trust him to at least get on base on a consistent basis where he could put that into effect. Um but just like Anthony Bass, uh, I don't think you can, I don't think any team is going to show a real big interest in him right now, given his his current performance. Uh, and for the Marlins, even more so than Bass, he has a bunch of years of team control remaining if the Marlins choose to exercise them. Um, he does so many things that really fit well onto a major league roster, but he's not hitting at all right now. And again, I wanted to bring up Jeezy because he did point out to me on Twitter that um, he was wondering whether the timing of Joe Panic joining the Marlins. Coincides with this, and it absolutely does. Uh, Joe Panic acquired at the end of June. He made his debut on June 30th, and the slump with John Birdie basically started the next day on July 1st. Um, so, why is that relevant? Because before Panic was acquired, Birdie was starting almost every single day at third base and occasionally at second base. Joe Panic has been really big into his playing time, I think. Think panic has just as many plate appearances if not slightly more than John Birdie does since that trade went down so maybe the irregular playing time is getting to him it's not really an excuse I mean Birdie has been um, he's had although he's had stretches as an everyday player I mean the big value to him is that he's been able to adjust in less than everyday starting duty that he's been able to produce in irregular playing time that is so hard to find and I think as much as I like John Birdie at times, I don't think you move forward under any circumstances and pencil him in at one specific position playing every single day. He'll need to get back to bringing out the best of himself even when he's not in the lineup every single day. The final takeaway from this road trip, uh, Miguel Rojas brought it up right after Wednesday's win, how Isan Diaz has stepped up. And I want to take a second to talk about Isan Diaz as well uh signs he's came back he's been swinging the ball really well playing on the field like really good he's he's seeing focus he's seeing uh ready to contribute and i I really like what i'm seeing from 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 the young players and i just want to take a second uh, to acknowledge that there is a lot of understandable isan diaz fatigue he's got that long opportunity in 2019 and did not perform. The little glimpses of him in 2020 were not good. In spring training, after a decent start, he totally ke- collapsed during down the stretch in spring training, did everything possible to lose a job for himself. And of course, most recently, in late May through most of June, he was on the active roster, and he looked terrible in almost all facets of the game. But I need to remind you that at this time two years ago, he was one of the leading home run hitters in minor league baseball. He was on his way toward minor league player of the year honors in the Marlins organization. That's the key with him. Um, I mean, you could look at a lot of aspects to his game that bother you um, defensively as a base runner. um, Sometimes his effort level does not come across as being full on max effort at times. But it come, it's as simple as the fact that you need his bat to come through. For someone that was an elite hitter during his final minor league season, as just a 23-year-old, even now just 25 years old, if he was able to do what he did with his bat in the not-so-distant past, um, you want to hold out hope that that can translate to the major league level. It's not quite the same as a Lewis Brinson. His major league playing time has been, I think, less than half that Brinson has been um he, as i said he's about 2 years younger than brinson has been um the overall production has been bad um i think we are far enough into his career that the the ship has mostly sailed on him as any sort of everyday player but over this past road trip since he got called up there's been a lot of hard contact i'll refer to statcast 95 miles per hour or higher x velocity Averaging about one of those every single game, making hard contact. Um, None of them have left the ballpark yet. Some of them have been getting awfully close. Just listen here to the sound off of Isan Diaz's bat. That's a pretty sound. You like that. The Marlins do not do a lot of that. Once again, towards the bottom of the league in hard hit rate. and most of those, he's getting on a line. He does pop up some of them. But when you do actually dig into the stats this year compared to like 2019, because that was the one other season where he got significant major league playing time, there are little signs of progress. The production still sucks, but you, you don't want to overuse this excuse. There is some evidence that he has simply been unlucky. I think you remember one particular home run, should have been home run that he hit in Miami that got pulled back by the center fielder. Um, there have been a few of those, those really deep fly balls hit just to the wrong part of the ballpark that otherwise would have been out, would have been for extra bases. The, there's a big discrepancy between his weighted on-base average and his expected weighted on-base average. Um any way you slice it, he just does not have the results that equate to the quality of contact that he was making. This is just such, it's one aspect of a player's game, but it is so important, and it's what the Marlins are missing, is having that great batted ball quality. That's where you get your barrels from and your extra base hits from, and he has the potential to do that. As much as people are clamoring to see Bryson Brigman, it's to see anybody else to kind of just uh, cut the cord to stop seeing Isan and obviously um, having him associated with the Christian Yelich trade. I can understand why he's on the roster right now, um, especially if we do get through the trade deadline and they clear out any of these other veteran infielders. Um, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to give Isan one more extended shot to see if something clicks with him. Fish Stripe's podcast is partnered with Symbol, the stock market for sports. Symbol allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when those teams win. Use your knowledge and the site's free daily market analysis to buy low and sell high on MLB teams, NFL teams, NBA teams, and starting here in July, college football teams, all the very biggest programs in the NCAA, you can invest in them. And Again, collect those profits as when they win on the field. There have been more than 2,500 early adopters of Symbol who are already getting their investments in. It's Symbol.app, www.simbull.app. You create your free account, make your first deposit, and when you do that, you enter promo code Fiststripes, all one word Stripes, to get a $10 deposit bonus. The current Sim Marlins share price is $27.63. Visit Symbol.app. Use the promo code FISTSTRIPES for your $10 deposit bonus to help build your portfolio. Invest in what you know. Invest in sports. Guess who's coming back? Potentially, as soon as Saturday, Brian Anderson will be eligible to come off the 60-day injured list after suffering a left shoulder subluxation. So, the backstory to the injury is, uh, you remember it happening uh, in late May? It actually wasn't all that apparent in the moment when he suffered that injury on the field. It was somewhat surprising when the news came out that he was even hurt. Uh, Then there was that initial worry when they were undergoing tests that it could be something severe and require uh, surgery. That is not the case. And although he's been out for the last 60 days, for the last 50-plus games, I think the understanding is that it was not quite as severe as that absence would indicate. He's been doing baseball activities uh, probably for close to a month at this point, right near the middle of that IL stint. He already started to do baseball activities and he could have come back much sooner uh, for reasons we've covered, I believe, on you know the show previously. The Marlins just have not done a very good job at managing their 40-man roster, especially the lack of infielders on the 40-man that they just did not have other guys that they can bring up for that period of time, even if it was going to be a few weeks or a single month, they needed to create room on their 40-man, and they were unwilling to cut the ties with some of these really mediocre players that you already know, like Lewis Brinson or Magnaris Sierra, or uh, even in the minors George Guzman. Like they had a variety of more expendable players that they could have cut in order to keep BA on the 40-man roster. But long story short, uh, they moved him to the 60-day IL so that he wasn't even eligible to come back until. Uh, this weekend. As a refresher, he got off to a slow start to the season, really more of an unlucky start. I, I don't want to keep defaulting to luck, but the, s- the stats bear that out, and the eye test bears that out, that early in the season, B.A. kind of looked like his normal self, but his production coming out of the gate was terrible. You know, a lot of long fly outs. Uh, he, just, he was not producing a lot, even though he was hitting the ball hard, even though he was trying to use all fields, And that did start to even out right before he went out. Uh, Remember, there were two separate injuries. There was that oblique injury that kept him out for about a week and a half. And then once he got back from that, the results started to come in. And it was especially just those final couple weeks before suffering the shoulder injury that he got his numbers almost back up to league average offensively, slashing 250, 316, 371. That's a 92 weighted runs created plus he played in total 35 games this season and accumulated 0.7 fan graphs war if you extrapolate that out over close to a full season it's a three win season on an above average player Uh, even though his offense you know still didn't quite get up to where you'd expect it his defense was outstanding He was playing just as well defensively as he ever has been so where are we with ba he's He played only 35 games, which means the majority of games this season by the Marlins have been occupied by other third basemen, and they haven't really gone well. There was that stretch in June where John Birdie stepped up. He did great. Outside of that, during that first IL stint for B.A., and especially recently here in July, the production has been awful at that spot. Overall this season, even when you include Anderson, the Marlins' third basemen have a .664 OPS. That is their second lowest at any position on the field, besides only, you could probably guess it, besides catcher. Catcher is where they have their worst offensive production, and third base is second worst, even when you include B.A., and by significant margin, it's their second worst when you exclude the time that he has been out. He's finishing up his rehab assignment with Triple A Jacksonville. Uh, the results have not been good on the rehab assignment, 15 plate appearances and only one hit. Uh, Only one total base. Uh, Yeah, slashing 077, 133, 077, uh, 6Ks in those 15 plate appearances. And even when he puts the ball in play, I've been watching uh, almost all of those, Uh, a few pop ups, some ground balls. uh, Really, I think maybe only one ball that he really hit on the nose so far in his rehab assignment. It is worth wondering exactly how productive he'll be straight out of the gate. The expectation is he'll come back on Saturday and play, as of this recording, just one more rehab game should do it between now and that activation date. He is earning a $3.8 million salary in 2021. We finish off by going through the pay BA angle to this, because you'll remember that I was pretty adamant about how the Marlins needed to approach him about a contract extension entering this 2021 season. This was going to be their window to do it efficiently if they were going to do it. That they did not have a great succession plan in mind for him. He's been so consistently solid as an all-around player. Now, there's some streakiness with the bet during the season. When you look up at the end of the year after 2018, after 2019, after 2020, and um, he's been... Very rare in that in all of his major league seasons to date, all of his full seasons at least, that he's been a good hitter and a good defender in every one of those seasons. You pull pull up the list, uh, depending on what criteria you want to use to define being above average on both sides of the ball, and the group is a lot smaller than you think. There is a very few other players that have been as productive in each of those seasons as B.A. has been. Um, because of his particular skill set, because it's not an overwhelming home run rate, um, because it's not a sexy batting average. Um, and just because of the ballpark that he plays in as well that suppresses offense in general, he is not really that go- expensive moving forward. There was the the terms that I threw out is I thought they could get some of his prime years, his free agent years for like 15, 16 million dollars a year. And that's not bad. Um, I mean, that's the same kind of numbers that you're throwing out with Starling Marte, and it seems that the Marlins were unwilling to go there. Uh, But Brian Anderson is four and a half years younger than Starling is. And really, outside of Starling, is there any other player on this Marlins team who is better than Brian Anderson? I know Aguilar has the gaudy RBI total. I know Adam Duvall has the gaudy RBI total. Uh, I know that Miguel Rojas is so easy to root for. In my opinion, Brian Anderson is the second best position player on the Marlins, soon to be the best by default when they trade away Starling Marte at this upcoming deadline. So I could understand to some extent why the Marlins did not want to lock up Marte if they firmly believe that he is kind of on the edge of that cliff, that he is about to head into the decline phase of his career. Um, It wouldn't be the most absurd thing in the world to see that as possibility uh with brian anderson that simply is not a concern because of his age um and because of the nature of this injury where it seems like he took more than enough time to recover from it one particular implication that i don't think anybody has mentioned is how this il stint extended the window to potentially extend him um that if this injury did not happen Um, I probably would have bet that B.A. ultimately is going to be on on a different team within the next year and a half or two years um, that the window had closed on being able to find a reasonable common ground with him because of this missed time. uh, Really, it's been those two I.L. stints. So overall, no matter what happens down the stretch, he is going to play in barely half of the Marlins games this year. And as I mentioned, the production was not there early on. He got off to a slow start, and now he has less time to make up for it. Um, When you're someone like him in the midst of your arbitration years, the counting stats that you put up are so critical to getting paid. That is what the arbiters use and compare you to other players that have come through at your same position to determine what a fair salary is going to be. So earning $3.8 million this year... I think a reasonable projection heading into this season was that he'd be able to double his salary for 2022, somewhere in like the seven, seven and a half million dollar range if he just did typical Brian Anderson things. Um, and now I don't think that's attainable for for him. Um, a more likely project- projection at this point, assuming no more injuries from him, is something in the five million dollar range pushing up maybe close to six million if he really catches fire. Down the stretch, that's about it. That's that's not bad. Um, Six million dollar player at the very most, and more likely in the five million dollar range for 2022. To be clear, he has one more year of arbitration after that. So overall, he's he's two and a half years from free agency right now. And as was the case, we saw with Marte, it's it's hard to negotiate during a season. There's a reason why it very rarely happens that you extend guys. I'm not expecting those conversations to happen right now, but it is something to revisit. During the offseason, again making the assumption that he is still a Marlin at the end of the season, they could do something really bold here because he'll have, he'll have the opportunity to play at most one, two, three, four, five, five games. But between now and the trade deadline, uh, he, and he does have this rehab stint. There is that understanding that he has been fully healthy for quite a while now, even though he hasn't been playing in Major League games. Would another team be bold enough to actually trade for him right now, expecting him to be an everyday third baseman down the stretch? I can't imagine, I can't, I should say, I can't really understand why the Marlins would want to do that at this time, no matter what he does over this next week. They'd be selling very low on him, Um, but the Marlins have done bold things before. Um, So I'm going to make the assumption that they don't trade him, that he's still going to be here through the end of the year and that they'll reevaluate during the offseason. Recently, uh, you may have been attending it, that there was an impromptu Twitter Spaces uh, Q&A with Craig Mish hosted by Takes Were Made on Twitter. I saw more than 100 people in there during the live session where Mish kind of unloaded about all these various takes and nuggets of info that he has about the Marlins team and certainly covered in that was BA with Mish making the prediction that he would not be an extension candidate and could be traded uh, as soon as this offseason that the Marlins when they didn't take that opportunity entering this year to start those conversations that, that really said all you needed to know about him some internal candidates that they do have for third base if they do eventually trade him um, it's not a really sexy group. It's better than they have at some other positions. But the names that are top of mind are Bryson Bergman, who is not usually a third baseman, but he has shown the versatility to do so. And obviously, as we've covered here, he's been a pretty great hitter all season long at AAA. Joe Dunan, do you remember him? He missed a big chunk of this year with a thumb injury. He has not been very productive at all for Jacksonville in the couple weeks since returning from the IL. But there has been, as we've covered, there's been some real evolution of his offensive game and defensively too, because third base is not his uh, normal position throughout his whole pro career, but he has adjusted to that. He won a gold glove at that position in the Dominican winter league. Uh, so keep an eye on him deeper in the system. Um, a really surprising story this year is Bubba Hollins, mainly playing for Haye Beloit. Uh, he should be going back up to double a Pensacola at any moment. Now he's tearing the cover off the ball. He's about the same age as Brigman and Dunand. He's playing against younger competition. I don't know how much you read into that, but he's also someone that is surprisingly smooth defensively, and if the bat is playing the way that it is right now, he's he's worth a look. I don't think any of those guys realistically project as being an everyday player, Um, and although the Marlins did draft some interesting bats, um, what, a week and a half ago? uh, It's way too soon to be able to project arrival times for any of those guys. So, it's easier to probably acquire a third baseman during the offseason from another team than it is to say replace Starling Marte in center field. Like there are going to be some viable options out there in free agency and via trade if for whatever reason they don't think BA is that fit long term. But this seems um this is a possibility once again, even though we were ready to say that the ship had kind of sailed on this, that we you know, you're counting down the days. Until they found the right deal for BA and pushed the reset on him for whatever reason, that this injury has definitely increased the odds that they find a way to stick around and that maybe they do make an investment in him because uh, they don't seem interested in making investments in really anybody else. Uh, you know, passing on Starling Marte. And just generally speaking, as a team that believes so much in its pitching development, it's hard to argue with those results that they can turn almost anybody into a, a viable back-end starting rotation candidate. They would be disinclined to invest any big money in any particular pitcher. So where's that money going to go? Where, where, who, how are you going to have continuity on this team and actually progress to getting better? Just to tie it all together, uh, the Marlins, as bad as they are, 41 and 55, you know, the fourth worst record and the third worst record at the moment in the National League, they're not going to be tanking down the stretch. Um, even though they it's been, you know, a disappointing year, a variety of levels. And as we kind of knew from the jump, the Marlins did not take a really active interest in being a contending team this year. They didn't really try. At the same time, they're, they're not punting on this year either. They, they're not really valuing... There's no path for them to get a top three draft pick just because of the several teams out there that are significantly worse than they are. They they still know what the fan base needs to see. They need to see progress towards something. Otherwise, there's the fans are not going to spend money on this team, and they're not going to have money to spend on the team itself. That these last few months are still very, very important, and they need to show that this team can still play at a respectable level, and build some kind of momentum going into the offseason. Brian Anderson is going to be a huge part of that, and we will see him back very soon. I'm looking forward to it. Again, I've been Eli Sussman here. We appreciate you listening to the whole show. A couple more of these coming up between now and the trade deadline. We'll have our Fish Stripes live streams heading into the start of each new series. We're going to have a ton of on-site coverage during this upcoming Padres series at Lone Depot Park. If you see one of our people there, make sure to say hi, and they'll be very friendly covering the team as writers and reporters and photographers. We have big plans for the rest of the season, uh, even if the team itself has certainly fallen off at the moment, and there are legitimate things to look forward to down the stretch. The return of guys like BA and obviously a variety of Major League debuts that we'll see. Once these trades go down in the coming days, um, it's always exciting to welcome new talent into the organization as much as you cherish uh, the old guys. I think you need to give this front office some credit that the majority of trades that they have made the past few years, um, they're pretty sensible at the time that they have been made. The problem has been developing some of these players the right way, particularly on the hitting side. But more often than not, they get very fair value, very creative returns in these trades they made we're going to be covering every angle of that thanks as always for listening go fish